listening to English Breakfast Radio. On uh, 106.8 FM or 103.3 on cable, I was wondering what was going on, but that was just the final bit of the uh, Danny Warhol song, Bohemian Like You, where you, you heard the amplifier. I thought all sorts of things were going wrong in here. Uh, <laughs> that was scary when you don't know that. My God. Uh, joining us in the studio uh, once again, uh, make, making his return after a, a month to uh, finish out uh, kind of the uh, the National Novel Writing Month uh, and to discuss further uh, reading and writing stuff. Martin von Howellinger, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, Love to I, be, uh... I would just also for you, I already I already talked to the listeners back home. Uh, it is purely coincidental that Lisbeth is not here today. <laughs> Lisbeth, oh yeah, Lisbeth usually, usually she's here on Tuesday. Oh. Um, but in both instances, she let me know uh, that she wasn't going to be here before she even heard your name or that were any other guest, really. Uh-huh. Um, and in both cases, she was actually bummed out because her one complaint to me is that I don't bring enough guests in for her. Yeah, okay. Because there's a separation between the green room where you're sitting and where she's sitting uh, and me. And so she likes having people in there to talk to in between pits. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a more social thing. Yeah. Social. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just every now and again I meet people where where all of a sudden you realize they've been holding a grudge for five years. Not necessarily against me, but against stuff and people. And they're like, wow, that's useless. Um, as I discussed on my way over here on the train, um, and maybe it's because I, I had very little sleep tonight uh, because I had to get the key for, off of somebody else who lent it from me. Um, but I read this article and I discussed this just at the opening bit about the uh, Pirelli calendar. Um, where Amy Schumer appears uh, almost completely naked and Serena Williams, Williams as well. Uh, but it was an article who one of my friends liked, and it was a, it's a conservative talking head. Um, and as I was reading it, A, I was just angry, mainly at the fact that he was getting angry at a piece of paper with pictures. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I, I can't really stand that like really this is this is what you're gonna write an entire article about this is what you're gonna spew all your hatred at and this is okay yeah but some people Worst need something to 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 be angry about yeah and but, really will take anything uh, apparently because oh, yeah. it's a, a calendar yeah yeah i think there are two kinds of people people who uh get better and and get more energy from friends and people who just like adversity and like to fight against something. Yeah. Yeah, the uh uh chronische dwarsliggers. So as we say it in Dutch. I'm trying to come up with a good translation for that. Um but uh like former football player Jan Müller is also a guy who every time I see him it doesn't matter what what setting he will always go against the green. Just because that's like sort of his job, and he's very sweet about it and nice about it, and uh, more like Amsterdam about it, basically. <laughs> But certainly, somebody who's like ah, oh, and, and this. Um, anyway, it reminded me because uh, I because I, I do agree that paper can absolutely incite you to do, but it tends to be the written word that incites you or or um, lifts you up or brings you down or makes you cry or. Uh, makes you very happy, uh, angry sometimes too. If mm-hmm. a character dies that you particularly like, for instance, well, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Uh, in but the, in the end, if there is an emotional reaction to to to, can be anything. Can be a written word. Can be a painting. Can be, uh, I don't know, the color of a room. Yeah. Uh, as long as the, that emotional reaction is there, then it's it's a valid thing. It it needs to be there to actually feel. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, that's the the horrible realization as I was reading it. Like, yeah, no, I, I know he's allowed to read it um, uh, or write it. Sorry, <laughs> uh, it's just I think a point that I made on um, this, this show a couple weeks ago. I think that my innermost feeling is that just a lot of people need to shut up. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just our age. I think <laughs> when you get around uh, around thirty up to forty and things like that. You get more cynical, and you go like, "Well, just shut up." Yeah, this was more of a shut up out of a, an improvisational standpoint, where I thought, "You're not contributing at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, you're not doing it." There's no yes and. Yeah, I'm just saying no. Like, let, let, come on, let me train you a little bit. Maybe it was just my inner coach going, "I need some money." 
<laughs> so go ahead and let me uh, let me train you. Yeah, it, it wasn't contributing in any way, shape, or form to mm-hmm. the conversation. I'm like, then don't do it. Like, yeah, it's fine to say something, but don't just say something because you feel like, well, everybody's talking. Well, I'm going to talk now too. Yeah. Like, no, they have something to say, and let it be your opinion, please. Um, and then, and if so. Or if somebody's always stated your opinion, like that's what I'll do every now and again, like in a Facebook feed. Uh, if it's a point where I feel strongly about or, or something that I or I want to make a joke, even where I'm like, oh, this is a joke to make here. I'll scroll down all the comments just to make sure, like if anybody else has made it, I'm not going to tag on or try to tag on to make sure that, hey, everybody, I thought of the same. Jo-. No, the joke has been made. Done. Mm. I don't need to do that anymore. And this regardless if I made it or not, no, I just felt that that particular joke needed to be made. And if I do it or somebody else, all is fine and well. There. There's my little rant for this morning. Because okay. uh, <laughs> um, at the end of the show last week, you um, <clears throat> this is this is where the interesting part happens, folks. At the end, <laughs> and this is where it pays off to be a radio DJ um, or just nice to people. Uh, you gave me two books that you wrote. Yep. One is how I uh, Nani uh, uh, Nano Remo. Nano Remo. There you go. Uh, and the other one, uh, I'm blanking out on the name. Sipping from the right. Sipping from yeah. Sipping from the yeah. writing well. The writing well. Red letter, yellow letter. Uh, <laughs> making sure that I pronounce all my Q's and R's. Um, uh, I read both of them. It was they're fun reads cool. uh, and very nice that they're um, there because I've, uh, I've had many books in my possessions about writing um, uh, and the like, if you will. Uh, so sipping from the writing well, uh, one I thought was a very nice, not too long, not too short, no, very it's, sensible it's, uh, advice about. It's a very hey, thing. if you want to write, this is it. Yeah. Well, it's not everything. Uh, no, it's not everything, it, it but it's my really style. like... It's the way I is... write and how I feel about writing, how I feel about publishing, uh, things like that. They're, they're just basically my experiencing, uh, my experiences while writing. Yeah, but I, I do believe that, uh, A, yeah, experience is very useful, but um, it, it didn't feel... Uh, yeah, it, it came off just like that. Like, no, this, this, these are my particular feelings on the subject. Yeah. And, you know, take away from it what you will instead of this is how it must be done. You have to be careful hammering no. down your uh, your fist on the desk. I know, no, I did that on purpose, though. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I wanted the. I can echoing. hear the echo, right? Yeah, I know, I know. No. The, you know, it's also this. <laughs> this is also cool. This is the little spring that's on the microphone stand, um, which sounds like the beginning of a, a police concert. Anyway, uh, <laughs> right before they go into. Uh, Roxanne, uh, no message in a bottle. Anyway, moving on. Don't don't distract me, Martin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just trying to keep you awake. No, what? what uh, thank you. I am thankful for that. Um, what I what I because I want to start off with that that book first, and then we'll get to uh, National Novel Writing Month sure. uh, in a bit. Um, no, because there's a lot of people out there who want to write a book. A friend of mine, in fact, is just started writing a book. Um, and this was something like, well, I'm going to pass this on to her just, uh, like, just as extra stuff. I think she's enrolled in a class, but like anything that you can just quickly get, glance through or want to look something up. Cause that's another thing that I thought was nice about the setup. And that may have just something to do with the length of the book, but it's very easy to pick up and just look like, Oh, what, what like, what are some tips or pointers in this particular area? Mm. Uh, so you don't really have to uh, look all that hard to find advice. Yeah, true. That's how I uh, kind of set it up. To have every chapter on a certain topic and just, well, build it from there. When did you write this? Uh, this I wrote, I think, two years ago. I, I believe you're right. Could be. <laughs> Trying to find the, the publishing date on the... Because I want to reintroduce people a little bit who, who didn't listen to uh, our uh, conversation last month. Um, you very much enjoy helping other people out uh, yeah. as far as writing is concerned. Yeah. Uh, which I assume was the reason why you wrote the book. Partially. <laughs> Otherwise, there would have been lots of advice in there. Don't pick up the pen. Don't write a book. Do not get it published. Don't. Here's what you should do. <laughs> Go to the bakery, get yourself a sandwich, and don't bother with writing. No, you you wrote it so other people will write. Yeah. Well, uh, p- part of it is uh, I wrote it because I got so many times I got the same question over and over again. How mm. do I do this? How do I do that? Right. And uh, at a certain point, I was going, oh, why not make this into a book? Why not just get that out there? And when people start asking questions, you can just go, hey, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, <clears throat> like one, um, 
maybe this is another thing that I liked about it. Because, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't tell you how to write. It just tells, it, it, it gives you, um, like, how to stay away from uh, he said, she said. Sort of, if, if you have dialogue between two people, how do you not make that boring? How do you not make that into a script, basically, where it's just name, this is what they say. Name, this is what they say. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, some, some maybe... Uh, directorial advice um but no i like how to make that interesting like and don't be then lazy with your words and then one particular advice also do not u- uh, use words you don't know which i thought was quite wonderful yeah. because that states like use your own voice yeah exactly like, that's fine and if it's a book with a he said he said could you put up said, the microphone a little bit closer sure yeah. if it's a book that uh, is uh, is your writing style and it is a he said he said she said and you want to put the names in front of it like like uh, the script of a play then just go ahead do that it doesn't right. matter yeah first start with your own voice read a lot from other uh, writers and authors and and just go from there i mean the first book you will ever write is something that will never get published and that's okay you can just yeah be laid back about it. As soon as you start writing to start earning, then you're better off just getting a desk job or something somewhere else because, well, it's uh, it's it's a one in a million shot to actually have a book and have it published. But because we see those books in shops and mm-hmm. they are the books that movies are made from, it's all we see. People don't see how yeah. many writers have been there before who didn't get the work published, who yeah. didn't get that movie deal. Yeah. And movies, very much the same thing. It's, uh, you know, the uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's in the world, the uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal's, sorry, the, you know, Christian Bill, those, those types of actors that you see in a lot of movies. That's rare. Oh, yeah. The majority of them are busboys. Yeah. Bus girls and waitresses and, and Night waiters. And, 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 yeah. Uh, yep, trying, just trying to make a living. Uh, yeah. Stringing, uh, stringing the budget together. Yeah, the the work is often overlooked, um, and that goes for a lot of these uh, sorts of uh, artistic endeavors. It's tricky to make money out of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, has it become any easier over the last two decades? Decade. Uh, well, publishing has become easier with uh, the option of self-publishing through internet. The, it's easier to get your own book into your own hands, have 20 copies, give them to friends, uh, things like that. Right. I mean, it's a very fun and personal uh, gift to give to people for, well, anything. Uh, mm. Glass, Cur- uh Christmas, anything. True. Uh, but to actually say publishing has become easier? No. It might even have become harder because there is so much material out there. Uh, uh, any book that is written these days might just as easily get lost in in the in the big pile of books that's that's been published every day. Hmm. Uh, and publishers will, will have you experienced they get pickier or? Is oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, these days, uh, back when I started, publishers were willing to take a risk going like, well, this sounds interesting. I think this is something that needs to be published. Let's put it out there. Let's throw some some money at it for PR and see what happens. And I think these days publishers are more... um, Publishers. (laughs) Sure. ...are more about um, getting to the money. So they only pick up books which are uh, controversial enough to make into... um, to make decent money. And right. then you get uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, if it's a book that is uh, so deep about a certain topic um, that it becomes, yeah, something well, and, special, then... Yeah, and it, well, and it, yeah. And inherently also, if, if you write about something very, very particular and very, very in-depth. Yeah, exactly. You, if, if you actually know something that other people don't and, and things like that, then you have a chance of actually being published by an official publisher. Yeah, but for me, because like we have nobody else <laughs> who writes this, and yeah. hey, we want to fill this uh, niche in the market as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, only if there are enough people to make it worth their while. Yeah, for because some reason, most, most the of the one... time they're in it for the money. I mean, that's that's the basic that's the basic thing for a publisher. Well, yeah, they need to survive. They need to feed exactly. themselves. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, there's there's some sort of commerce in it all. Um, <laughs> there's two thoughts. One, um, the whole getting money thing reminded me of one of the uh, many comments on the Amy Schumer whole bit where uh, they they started calling her a, a whore and a money whore. And I thought, well, that's weird. Don't. And then somebody else mentioned it. Like, do you have a job? Then you're a money whore. Done. Like, end of. Don't. <laughs> don't say one thing is any better than the other. If like, in the end, we're all just trying to survive. Uh, that's the very basic of it. Um, second, the other, the other, the, the one thing that popped up when, when you said uh, something very like, uh, if you if you have knowledge on a very specific thing, you'll probably get uh, published. For some reason, the only thing I could think of was uh, like a car manual of a certain specific car. We're like, oh, no, there's only a few people in the world who have such in-depth knowledge of a car. But that's very um, base and with, uh, well, for them, a lot of emotion, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but could you give me some examples of, of what sort of uh, niche market um, people, it's quote unquote, um, not easier. That's the wrong word. Uh, so let me take the codes away, uh, but because <laughs> uh, that's not at all what I wanted to say. Um, where, where, yeah, where uh, you could find yourself having a chance of getting published just because the subject you write about is so rare. Um, well, take Fifty Shades of Grey. There was a niche that nobody knew that was there. I mean, as a book and as a story, it's it's not a particularly good story. It's not particularly well written, but there was the option to provide housewives with, or I'm not trying to be denigrating and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) There was a niche for certain people to read this and it, a lot of people read it. I mean, I don't know how high it got in, uh, in the top, but might've, might've ended on, on the first place of this year of last year. Probably. And so I, I don't think there's any Twilight books out there or Harry Potter books at the moment that could con- compete with it. No, yeah. so that's the point. Yeah. And, and the, you bring up another good point. I mean, uh, Twilight, there was a niche. There was somebody who thought up, I'm going to write a more romantic version of vampires and werewolves and, and humans. We've seen that story so often, but never in this style, in this context. Right. Harry Potter, same thing. Uh, I think it began with telling stories to to her kid, bedtime stories, and she started to write them down. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever had done a story like that, which is why it was picked up, which is why Warner Brothers said, this is something we can make into a movie, yeah. we can throw a lot of CGI in there, and, and it's going to be fun. And And she went for it, and... As soon as you get that chance, I say, well, go for it. But mainly write about something that you feel passionate about, because if you don't, then Which you'll she never did, because she book. was in no position to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to write stories about a little wizard boy that'll definitely get me millions of, of dollars and no, pounds. No, she didn't start like that. Uh, no, she was, I believe, a single mom with a kid. Yeah, something. Right? Yeah. I don't know. And then, and then like, uh, very much, actually, like... Uh, I had to think about my dad when I first read that because he made up stories for me, at, you know, during bedtime. Mm-hmm. And it's on still on his bucket list, like, oh, I have to write some of these down and uh, illustrate them. And But, it, like, it's something, oh, passion project that I'll get to at a certain point uh, to do that. And uh, I think, yeah, like, for all, for all who knows, all of a sudden that could be a hit because it's something particular that people didn't know that they want. Or, and if not, indeed, it's, he, he, I think he's very much of the... Of the uh, um, <laughs> uh, inkling? No, he has the more of the inclination of, hey, it's fun to have written this and to have self-published this via Amazon or uh, a couple of other outlets, and to actually have it in my possession because that means, hey, I created something and it's real. Yeah. Uh, boom. Here's one for my family. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and th- that's where you start, and after that, just see where it goes. I mean. Don't write to uh, have been published. Don't write to get to the money. Just write because you want to write, because it's in you and that story wants to come out. And I know plenty of people who just say, oh, I just wish I had more time to write. Now, time is something you make. Time is finite, which is uh, how old you can get. 
And after that, it's all a division of hours. And where are you going to put those hours? Are you taking an hour and make that into salary and or a wage or money to get to the groceries, to eat, to be able to? What are you going to do then? Are you going to do something you love or are you going to work more to get more money, to get more food, to work more? I mean, that, that's a vicious circle. And I don't, I'm kind of like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> if you have anything with that finite amount of time, do something you love. Yeah. Now, one of the things you uh, uh, described in the in the the, the writing well um, is um, how how you fell in love with books, basically. And I thought that was quite lovely because um, that's something that if you, if you like writing and if you love love books, you have very vivid memories of of the early books that you uh, that you've read oh, yeah. that that started inspiring you. Yeah. Um, and I thought yours was a particularly nice story because. Um, and you, and you tell it well and, and nice and, and short as well. It's, it's not a, it's not a huge saga, but the, the, you got, you got a library card, correct? Yeah. Um, and then went to the library and first just randomly seeking out books and then literally going from A to Z. Yep. Well, that might be the artist they made, but, um, <laughs> at a certain point I was going, I don't know what I have read and what I haven't read, read yet. yet. So yeah, I right. went from A to Z and, um, well, the people in the library, the, the librarians, uh, they quickly caught on. And so uh, before I was actually old enough, when I've read actually everything in the child section uh, <laughs> of the library, right? Uh, they gave me a, a pre-adult card, which meant that uh, uh, I could go through the adult books, which was about a hundred times more than uh, the child section. Right. Um but I had to, uh, every time I wanted to read a book, I had to go to a specific person and ask if this book was allowed, if this book was okay for me to right. read at my age. And, and, and there, yeah, like in this modern age, if you would have brought on Fifty Shades of Grey, they would have probably been like, you know what? Wait a couple of years. Yeah, at age 12, it's, it's <laughs> not, the, not quite the book to read. It's, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is this is this nor is this how it works? Is this what happens if you're a banker? <laughs> I don't know what he is actually. For some reason, in my head, he's a banker. Um, I might be completely wrong, and probably am. Um, that's feeding the passion. Yep, that is. That was that. I think that's critical because yeah. it, it, it it to a certain extent it validates you. Um, being like, yeah, isn't this nice? You find other people who have the same like. Yes, reading is awesome. In this case, reading and, and later on writing mm -hmm. in those groups. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think you, you don't become a librarian just for the day job. I mean, there has to be something to 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 be passionate about. And and if you for love sure. stories, if you love books, if you love taking care of books, then pretty soon you'll find yourself in a direction like that. There was a time when I um, was a cleaner, a, uh, sweeping floors and things like that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as a, a position opened up in a library for a salary that was lower than I was actually getting at that moment cleaning office space, I was going like, well, <laughs> fuck salary, I'm going <laughs> to... This is not a choice. This yeah. is not a choice. This is a library. This it was actually the library where I grew up. And really? I like, yeah, I'm gonna, wow. definitely going to do this. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you still do you still keep in touch with people from that library or uh most of them have have retired but uh one or two I uh, still get christmas cards and things like that That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um now because I do think it, it is important to feed any sort of passion like that's what you want to do all right let's feed it. Absolutely. And, um that's why I very much like the sentiment of indeed the the uh, uh, the point you made right about people arguing well there there's no time like no you make time you if make if time. it really if you really truly this is a conversation I've I've had with my parents uh, over the years because um, you know, you go one way or another, and it's nice to recognize uh, early on that, oh, wait a minute, if I'm not putting time into this just because I want to, it's probably not something I feel super passionate about and is lower on the list of priorities and, and loves and things that I want to do. So mm -hmm. maybe I should stop doing it. I've had it with the, uh, the, the electric bass, for instance, where I took up lessons for a while, but then at home I never picked up the bass. And then my dad said, 
you probably very much like the idea of playing bass, and you might love bass in songs, and or or love what the bass stands for, um, you know, all of that. But you don't want to play the bass. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. But then it might be something connected to. Yeah, absolutely. That. You can research that. Is it? It's not the musical instrument itself, but is it working with a band, playing yeah. in a band? Or the uh, context of the bass within the band. What does the bass provide? Is it is the mechanic of like, oh yeah, it's something that not a lot of people... I believe, as far as I can see now looking back, it's like, oh no, that's sort of the prelude to my uh, doing lights and sounds for improv. Mm. Because I feel very much like the bass and, and sometimes the drummer, I suppose, <laughs> of, of the band. Yeah. Um, drummer when it's a short form show and I have to cut off scenes like all right I need to establish a certain rhythm sometimes or uh, make sure that the song ends on time if you will but then with music it's very much like yeah no bass is not necessarily always there for every single note of the song but it provides this bed in which you know the other notes can flourish uh, flourish and and that's really all I'm I'm, I'm trying to do so because I, I love that mechanic of um, yeah, being the assistant basically, or the assist to the goal. It's like, oh, I love the way up, and then yeah, somebody else score the goal. That's fine, but the whole journey there. So yeah, it, it's for something else. But in your case, writing wasn't directly and spot on. Yeah, <laughs> well, it started with reading, and I, for a while, I thought I would become a librarian or something like that. Right. Uh, there's there's a lot more to it than just uh, taking a book, putting it on a a bleepy thing, and uh, checking them out. <laughs> Yeah, a bleepy thing. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, the, no, the, it's the, the, no, I like bleepy thing a whole lot better. <laughs> I like bleepy thing a whole lot better. What were some of the first books that you read as a kid? Oh, uh, or let me say this: What is your first distinct memory of a book? Ooh, Tolkien, The Hobbit. There, okay, absolutely. Um, how old were you? Uh, hmm, eight, ten. I was pretty early for uh, for the material in it, yeah. and I, I didn't get most of it, I know that, but I liked the story, I liked the line, I, I liked the characters, and uh, as I read it and reread it and reread it and reread it throughout my life, I kept finding new things and right. new stories in there and new backgrounds. Right. Yeah. And I think a good story has to do that. It's it's like uh, the never-ending story. To reread a book is to... Go on a completely different adventure. Yeah, because you yourself have have changed and therefore have different insights, and yeah. therefore the way you interpret words is going to be different, even if it's slightly different. So yeah, the experience is going to be different. Yeah, um, exactly. You yeah, ten is quite young for the Hobbit, but uh, yeah, I was about to say, but that makes for great rereading, which you've obviously done. Yeah. Um, my my first book that I have distinct memories of of um, this was something that was read to me. Uh, or was kind of read it together, I suppose, uh, was actually the children's Bible. <laughs> oh, okay. I have very distinct memories of that. Uh, even though I'm not uh, a religious man at all uh, at this point, um, that is the first distinct one. The second one, which I reread a bunch of times, was, I think, that, well, we have the book week, of course, here, and I think it was like a, a, the children's book for the book week or, or something alike. Very small little book about... Um, uh, school kids trying to not get their school closed down um and of course there was some romance in there as well yeah the, 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 the school was about to be closed or and they all had to move to a different school or mm -hmm. they were going to be incorporated into some school and of course that you know loving memories of the school we don't want that we don't want new teachers we don't want uh and i for some reason i really like that book Maybe because of the some of the early romance stuff that was in there, of like, oh my god, a boy can love a girl. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Um, weirdly enough, those two are sort of paired together as the earliest stuff that I distinctly remember. Now, that's an important distinction to make. Uh, has this influenced you in writing at all? Oh, definitely. Uh, reading that made me uh, write more fantasy, write in into the fantasy direction. Uh, actually, the first book I ever wrote, which is something that nobody ever read, <laughs> um, uh, was a book uh, in in a fantasy direction. Really, is that is that your 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 main area? Uh, I'm uh, kind of all over the place. Um, I haven't found my my real niche, 
So I think I don't have Maybe one that's at this your niche. point. Maybe that's my <laughs> niche. I've done travel stories. I've done writing books. I've done fantasy. I've, um, I'm right into a trilogy of science fiction at the moment. So I'm um, just all over the place, just <laughs> trying to find if there is a story worth telling and I have the feeling that I am the person to tell that story, mm-hmm. then, uh, well, I just go for it. When you feel like you're the sto- the person to tell that story, have you come out with stories where you thought, nah, I shouldn't write this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty bad at writing horror, so I don't. <laughs> Even though you're like, oh, this would be amazing if they were all standing in, yeah. in front of this door and boom, it would burn down and this monster that came from the boat. You're like, nah, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, most of the times really? when I come to a story like that, I'm, uh, I throw it on uh, on one of the forums and I just go, well. There you go. It's it's not my thing to write. I don't like horror. I don't like thrillers. But sometimes my mind just comes up with something going like, ooh, this could be a movie. This could be a book. This is something good. But then I'm just not the right person to uh, to create that. That's so nice that you, I mean, it, it, it's it's a very weird quality, which I particularly like in people, because it pops up at various locations. And It's certainly to me a sign up. No, no, he, you're very aware of like, all right, this is what I can do now, and maybe later on I, I, I get better at it, and I do want to try my hand at it. But for now, I, I like this story. I shouldn't write it. Somebody else should. Um, I've I've had people w- where I went to the theater with afterwards going. I know that a lot of stuff passed me by, and that's what you said about the Hobbit as well. Like, I, did you realize in the moment uh, when you were reading it that a lot of stuff like, all right, I don't get this yet. Yeah, uh, first time I read The Hobbit, just about everything concerning the elves, Lothlorien, things like that, I saw that there was too much background in there of people who could, well, live for an eternity. And I was going like, well, I don't get this. I was more with the with the comedy and with the uh, with right. the dwarves and things like that. Right. I've my, personally I've had that with a lot of comedy routines over the year, which I've rewatched that I saw as a kid, and finding a lot more adult themes uh, woven throughout there. Mm. Where I thought, oh yeah, but as a kid I was only focused on this because that's all I had, that's all I understood really. Yeah. Uh, well, how old were you uh, when you wrote your first book? When did you start writing? Mm. For those are two separate questions. Let me start <laughs> off with the first. <laughs> when did you first start writing? Um, Deliberately and outside of the school telling you to. Ah. Um, <laughs> I think I started writing my own things uh, during school time when I was completely bored. Uh, That's awesome. And I just started putting pen to paper, putting words after one another's. And, and um, at first, the words don't make any sense. And then you toss that away and you start over and... You start building a story, you start building uh, a basic character, you start looking where this character needs to go, what you'd like to see happen. And I think I was, yeah, about 10, 12. A lot of things started happening at that age. Nice. So, yeah. I love that you started writing during school things. I had a, I had a memory recorder that I brought with me during school that if a, if a lesson was indeed boring... Uh, me and a friend would just lean back and do audio sketches and then listen to it back later. <laughs> and and now you're on, you're on radio. I mean, it's kind of... And audio, audio has never quite left me, yeah. But it's one of those uh, very much fitting into the, you you make time. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'd much rather do this than listen to a biology lesson because I already know this or I can... Biology is all logic. I don't need, I don't need this right now. Uh, yeah, let me make a mini radio show. Uh, or let me write a story. When when did you write your first book? Published book? No. Just general. Just general? Just your um, first finished where you consider this is this is a book? First book that was actually finished. I think it was 15. Not sure. It it could be in Somewhere the there. in the writing well. I have no idea but something like that. Something where I started to um first I started with short stories, just a few pages and just uh a start finish end structure and as i went along the stories got more pages got more in depth and at a certain point i was going this story is not going to finish in five pages this is not going to end in 10 pages mm. this might take a hundred pages am i prepared to do that am i am i looking to do that with this story mm. and the first thing i wrote i wrote on my dad's old typewriter and uh, i 
kept pecking away at it. And if a page wasn't good enough, I threw it away and started over. And, and uh, I think that was my first real book, which was which is the one that nobody read. <laughs> you must not be named. The yeah, book exactly. that nobody read. The one that mustn't be named. <laughs> so, so somewhere dark and where there's only one light bulb. And yeah, you know, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. That's where you should write your first book. <laughs> In my head, at least. Well, any, anything that's anything where you're not distracted and just, just nice and quiet, that works. Yeah, um, which is something you, you uh, bring up a couple times in the book. How uh, you spend a lot of time alone, just writing, and, yep. and, and, and but also just being on your own and uh, own and thinking uh, things over uh, and stories. Yep, yep. The thing I wanted to uh, bring up in that sense is. That's that seems very dedicated in me. But is there has there been stories that you've didn't finish? Oh, at several, all? plenty. Loads. Yeah, um, I have a shelf with uh, notepads, uh, which are all just basically unfinished stories, ideas, things like that. I can watch a movie and go. It would be so much nicer if they would have done this and this and this, and then I just pick up another notepad and write down the idea, put it in the put it on the shelf and just see what where it leads. Sometimes a couple of notepads form into one and then I'm going, this is something. This is a, a story. This is something mm. I want to write or need to write mm. even. I think I strayed from your question. <laughs> uh, no, not so much. Uh, <laughs> you're doing all right. Um, no, not finishing stuff. Uh, which brought up, yeah, notepads, um, I, which I use all the time and I take notes continuously. Uh, yeah, it seems something that works for me. Um, the morning pages is, is something that um, has been somewhat tried and proven, I, th I believe. That it's very nice to just, before you do anything, write, uh, what is it, 700 words or something. Mm. Uh, down just about anything, doesn't matter what. Sort of to clean out the system mm -hmm. so you don't get stuck or with, with uh, oh no, I well, if I write something, it, it's got to be good. Sort of to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least that—that's to me what what the what the morning pages seem like. Which I do, I don't do them because I have very little shame in what I write down. <laughs> um, I don't tend to uh, yeah overthink too much. But that that seems to be the the whole process of of it uh, of, of doing those things and taking notes just to get it out of your system so yeah. it doesn't block anything else. Exactly. Um, it's nice though that you can come back to it because uh, I'm not sure that happens necessarily all the time. Uh, come back to stuff and combining combining things mm -hmm. um, within the chaos and uh, unfinished stories. I have files and files and files on my laptop of of unfinished material of material that I just lost interest in. And sometimes mm. I just pick through that and go like, "Oh, that was something nice." And if it again triggers me, then I might write more. I might take it in a completely different direction. I might rewrite the entire thing. Mm. Uh, it's just I need. To write uh, one of my most my, one of my catchphrases I use the most is I cannot not write. It, it, it's something in me that just needs to empty my mind, needs to needs to create. And well, that's that's the artistic bit in me. That on average, how many books do you are you working on at, at one one time? At one time, three or four most of the time. Right, and uh, one of those will be a notepad, and it's just having ideas, having thoughts and just writing them down. Most of the time I am writing on an actual book most of the time. Uh, during that I'm also working on a little side booklet thingy. Mm -hmm. I don't have the mindset to completely dedicate myself to one topic, to one thing and just go for that all the time. Well, it also might not necessarily work as well for you if you do that. You, you know, you might up writing a, a, a worse story <laughs> because of it or or a uh, worse book because of it um some people need that mm -hmm. um so yeah defining the way you, that you write at your best i suppose uh, uh is the ultimate goal in that sense yeah. <laughs> and well this kind of works for me i got books out there and it's uh it, it keeps being fun as soon as it's not, it starts not being fun then most of the times i just put down the or put away the file and go like, well, I'll look at this later. This is not, mm. I don't enjoy this anymore. Right. I mean, to step back to uh, this year's NaNoWriMo, which I passed, I uh, filled out my 50,000. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> uh, the Good. story was, the story was interesting. Uh, I did the research. It was a story I researched for two years, 
But I, I hated every minute of it. Every minute of it. It was the no writing fun of it? to ri- actually write this story because... Oh, you've just done a wonderful segue. Uh, Le- Leia, let's focus on uh, <laughs> NaNoWriMo. Oh, sure. Um, uh, we spoke uh, the day after, I believe, it's, it started. I, I want to say the second, second or third. third something. Yeah, but pretty much right as it started. Um, what is the book about? Uh, this year? I Wait, wrote- for the people who don't know... Nano <laughs> Remo is National Novel Writing Month, and it, you you can sign up to a site. You can do it on your own. But the goal is to write fifty thousand words in a month, uh, a novel, uh, if you will, and to finish that. Um, so, uh, which is why I wanted to uh, bring that particular thing up because it's it's great to if you have a problem finishing stuff to have this sort of month where you have all this backing of other people to at least do it once so you know what what it's like because um, then it I, it might become easier to sort of pick and choose and like I'm gonna walk away from this story for a little bit and now focus on this story and then all right now I'm gonna do this have uh, yep. more stuff going on. Um, uh, 50,000 might seem a lot, but when you break that down into 30 days, you get 1,666 66. words a day. And that's manageable. That's just two or three pages every day. But the point is to write every day, to dedicate yourself to just putting words on paper. And it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be quality. It doesn't have to be published worthy. It just, it's the dedication to it's write and continue yeah. write to break through blocks that you might have on days that you go like, well, I'm not going to write today. Yeah. Just keep writing, keep at it. Because that's the second book you gave me, uh, How uh, the title being This Is How I Nano Remo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with a great cover photo um, <laughs> <laughs> of you being completely uh, frustrated. Oh, can, can we show the viewers? Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's you sitting oh, in, it's, in front of the couch, one. I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the laptop being completely frustrated. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, not that you're being frustrated, but it's it's a very common feeling, I think, among all artists in general, and for the for the hell of it, all people. Let's let's make it even broader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certain points, which uh, fantastic. Uh, which which is uh, basically bundling of uh, a blog you kept yeah. uh, last year, correct? Yeah, it's yeah. my blog from last year, and I uh, I found that day so day. so many people were reading it, and so many people were commenting on it that I was going like, well, this could be a book. Why not? Why why not set each day? for a chapter and just go with it and every day describe what I feel, what happened with the story I was writing at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it got a lot of positive feedback. So it was uh, it was fun to do. It's, it's a fun read. And here's why it's fun, at least to me, the reason why it was fun to read, because it's not as if every single day was a long and profound. Um, <laughs> oh, dear God. Yeah. No, but that that's the good thing because you can a see a lot of up and downs and I, I because you can see that, that no some yeah. days I mean one of the days was uh just literally just a piece that you wrote that day that you're uh, particularly happy with. Yeah. Um and that was it. I'm like yeah, all right, but if that's the outcome of the only day, it's still something. Like it's still moving forward. It's 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 still and then every couple of other days uh, you know something more profound like oh this is what i noticed over the past few days of how i was feeling and how i went through this and then talking to other people um understanding that oh this is something that's somewhat normal to go through or or not normal um that was the point of it to um show people that yeah, to make writing it is a uh, it's a flow it has up and downs it has uh it has meltdowns. It has uh, brilliant moments where you where you praise the sky and 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 are happy about everything. And that was kind of the point of publishing this. After uh, after I was halfway through, I wrote the intro, going like, "Well, this is just going to be fun. This is just going to be me. It's raw, unfiltered. It's been through an editor just once to pick out the worst mistakes because I was going well. If there are mistakes in there, then that's it's part, part of it." Part of it, yeah. part of the story that happens. Yeah. So, uh, well, the book is, uh, well, it's not live, but it's, uh, well, actual. It's <laughs> gritty. Yeah, and, and, and it, it very much feels like that. It feels like you're reading somebody's uh, diary for all intents and purposes. Mm. Uh, there's, I think, probably my favorite uh, chapter is, is the chapter where you put in... Um, 
I forget which day it is, but it's um, you went to one of the Facebook groups <laughs> and you asked, oh, yeah. uh, like, hey, if you want your, which I thought was great sourcing for just because names are tricky to come up with. Yep. Very tricky. And you went to a Facebook group and asked, hey, if you want your name in my book, just say so. And then I'll I'll look at the at this and the you know I'll leave it here for 24 hours and then at the, at the end of that I'll I'll just look at it and pick out and uh, pick out some names uh, yeah. that I feel are, are are worth it and then in between there there was a discussion about ranks of officers of, of uh, people uh, went completely insane and then just went with it and and going like well I I'd like to be the first guy killed and I oh I'd like to be yeah, an very officer particular about what to. they want they're oh, all yeah. like well what's your name well Mackenzie Evans okay well uh, this is not the name by the way um but yeah uh the, the envisioning themselves in in a very particular role which yeah. I thought was fantastic um and because it, it literally is the raw feed of that you I mean it's just copy pasted out of what had happened in those 24 hours yeah. um you can you can feel that developing uh, almost which which is great which is sort of this free gift um no and, beca and because it, it does uh read like that it it um halfway through i got actually and i didn't put that in the book halfway mm -hmm. through i got a warning from the people who were actually monitoring the the uh the chat <laughs> side going what's going on is this a fight is is somebody trolling you what's going on just no, <laughs> Keep it going. I'm just outsourcing oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, um, but a lot of people picked up on it, and I've seen uh, uh, I've seen the same thread, the same people going like, "Well, I need a, a name for a werewolf. Who wants to be in my book?" And people just go, "Yeah, sure, take my name." Yeah, okay, like the name. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah for for some it, it, uh, there's also a whole section where people just literally just throw in their name and then leave not to come back just like yeah oh by the way here's another option mm -hmm. just that's it gone yeah. and oh don't pick my name but my mother had a better name you <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> yeah sure um which i think is great because indeed coming up with names is is uh to me anyway the hardest part mm. <laughs> i think that's so hard uh because anything that i come up with i'm like that's not believable that's not at all what somebody's name would be uh, like Mackenzie Evans, which might very well be a name, but to me it sounds like a, to me it sounds like a made-up name. And that's because I made it up, um, and therefore everything sounds like made up. I don't know. That's a vicious circle in my own head. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you finished uh, uh, your book. Did you? Uh, how much did you go over, or did you hit fifty thousand? I exactly hit fifty thousand for uh, for this year. Really? I uh, I planned it so I would really I would hit day thirty and uh, just hit the number exactly and have that final word on the fifty thousand. <laughs> How did that feel compared to the double book you wrote last year? Oh, I had loads more fun last year. This 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 was actual agony to to write this, but I made it tricky on myself for this year because uh, most book have uh, have non con non conversation. It's just people talking. But nothing's really happening, and mm. it's just storylining. It's just uh, filling pages, and I couldn't do that within this story because I started it about the wolf of Littlegeist, mm -hmm. which is which was in the news a couple of years ago. There was an actual wolf that came back to the Netherlands, mm -hmm. trying to see if this is a land that he could live in. Yeah, and somebody shot him. Yeah, and um, uh, I was going like, well. That's such a shame. I, I, uh, with with the current climate in, with the current nature in the Netherlands, uh, there could be wolves here again. There, there, there could be a balance between nature and 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 deers and rabbits and everything, instead of uh, having hunters to go out and kill uh, part of the population to keep the population healthy. Yeah, we could bring back that balance. Yeah, but no, somebody shot him, <laughs> and um, from that I went. Well, it was a wolf going back to a land that maybe it came from right. a couple of generations ago, and that was kind of the premise. And from there, I started to talk to uh, people at Naturalis, at uh, at artists, at uh, Burger Zoo in Arnhem, mm -hmm. and I was going like, "How does this work? How does a wolf think?" 
what do they experience? Mm. And what I came back with was that we actually don't know. There's so much that is unknown about how animals live because humans, I think, put themselves on such a pedestal as an exceptional being, as being able to do rational thought, being able to have memories, being able to teach our children certain morals and values. And I was going like, well, doesn't everybody, doesn't, isn't that a general thing of being alive? Right. Do, and so for other animals as well, you mean? Don't, yeah, don't, right. don't wolves dream? I've seen dogs dream, but yeah. we don't know what they dream about. But you, you can see if a dog Food, sleeps and he probably. twerks and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and scratches and things. So wolves should dream. But if they dream, they have an, a cognitive memory. They have something to work through. Yeah. And that was kind of the baseline. And after that, the entire story went AWOL and, and went into a, a completely different direction. I, I, I hadn't uh, had foreseen. Oh. <laughs> and the most tricky thing of this story was that I couldn't use conversations. I could use uh, sounds. To indicate, I could use mm-hmm. body movements to indicate a certain thing to another wolf, to a human, to... Uh, right. But I couldn't use conversation, and that kind of killed my word count and made it that hard. I think at the end of the book, there is one spoken word. Really? And I just wanted to finish on on, on that, simply because uh, it is a... Well, I'm not... I'm not going to tell too much, but it is a human. It is a connection to between the wild wolf and uh, the civilized humanity. And the baseline of the story became, which I didn't intend it to be, how humane wolves can be and how cruel humans can be. Mm. And um, the balance between those two and what happens when the wild meets the civilized and who is the wild in which situation. Yeah. Uh, it it kind of got away from me and after that it was such a pain to write but in the end (laughs) now that it's finished I'm going like well okay this is worthwhile this is worth the trouble and worth the pain and worth the time how how so? what's what's your personal reward? it's a story that has never been written before the closest I found was Watership Down with uh, with the rabbit and this is all third-person perspective, so it's uh, the thought process and the feelings of mm. from one direction, but from a godlike perspective on top. Right. Uh, also, one thought that was going through my mind, I should really reintroduce you every time we come back because there's new listeners. We're talking with Martin von Howling, writer. Uh, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. Those are also thoughts that run through my head. Yeah. Uh, was there also, because the moment you said I couldn't, you couldn't use any words and, and that was such a pain in the ass to write, uh, I thought that the reward would have been the fact that you now have this prolonged exercise of having conversations without words, and that you could now this is a tool you now have refined more uh, that you can now use in other, in other books. Well, I don't I don't think I'll ever write something like this um, again. And no, but my, my the, kind of the, if there's the a doctor if there's a doctor room waiting scene in one of the books. There's no talking there, but there's conversation there. Maybe, sure. maybe you, you know you implement it there a little bit. Yeah, uh, maybe not for fifty thousand words. <laughs> the more you write, the more you learn. Uh, yeah, and, and just just put your which I've always found with um, any exercise in pretty much any field for that matter. Is there anything similar with books where you go, oh wait, I've done something similar before. Let me implement this pattern or this. Um, yeah, this style of writing maybe uh, here. Yeah, well, basically, uh, you have pieces of paper in your book. Oh, as what, is what you said. Yeah, uh, but there, there were seven basic uh, stories to tell. Is that what you yeah. said? Uh, yeah, there, you, there's a bunch of of, of different versions uh, of uh, of this out there um, yeah, exactly. uh, uh, that I know of, anyway. <laughs> uh, following uh, the thoughts of Christian Booker, who uh, wrote a Jugian influenced book on the analysis of stories, there are basically seven base stories, which is overcoming the monster. Then you, uh, uh, it's the protagonist setting out to defeat uh, a force that threatens something, and then you come into Beowulf, Dracula, War of the Worlds, Guns of Navarone type. Mm-hmm. You've got Rats, Rags to Riches, which is Cinderella, Aladdin, Jane Eyre. Uh, the quest, which uh, um, 
well, basically is uh, you start at one point, uh, there is uh, a reward or something big on the other side and go get it. Mm -hmm. And then you go into what ship down Wizard of Oz, Lord of the Rings. Uh, you've got Voyage and Return, which brings you to Orpheus, Time Machine, Alice in Wonderland. You've got the comedy, which is just basically misunderstandings. Most most of the times it's also romance. So you come into the Twelfth Night, Bridget Jones' Diary, Mid Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm -hmm. You've got the tragedy in which, uh, in the end, the protagonist kind of always dies. And that brings the happy ending that the suffering has ended. Uh, which brings you into Macbeth, Picture of Dorian Gray, Carmen, Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. And the rebirth, which means that um, uh, they go through a cycle of problems to come out at the other side, having learned something and uh, having a profound experience, yeah. which is basically Sleeping Beauty, Christmas Carol, Secret Garden and uh, things like that. Right. And again and again, you find these same stories or uh, combinations of these stories uh, in in just about every book. And when you find something uh, that's not easily defined within these seven, then you know you've got something special, that you've got something that might be interesting to read. Right. Um, yeah, and it's not to say that any of these things are boring, but, uh, or, 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 I mean, of course they can be, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if it's not easily identifiable as anything, um, it might be either really, really good for sure. It's special or it might be something really, really bad and or stupid. extremely boring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, the telephone guide doesn't fall within these seven in any of these and is really, really boring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're live, you live in a very small village, I suppose, and you're just reading that particular piece. You're like, oh my god, I know all of these people, but did I just not go over? Uh, excellent. Is, 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 do you, uh, when you come up with an idea, or uh, do you instantly try and identify it as one of these seven? Uh, no. Most of the time, when a story is finished, I sit back and go, this is very much like this and this story. And mm. then in the rewrite, I try to write away from uh, what it looks like. Because mm. one of the um, most interesting things you said, I, and I want to say, it's, yes, the uh, NaNoWriMo book, that uh, you... Um, <laughs> hold on, let me get a note of it. Yeah, you're better at talking uh, to your characters than you are to pe with people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're doing all right this morning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, which maybe says something about me. Uh, <laughs> I'm quite a character. No. Um, but I, I, I thought that was somewhat of a lo lovely sentiment. Um, although you, you might also want to explain um, what's on, on, on the back of the cover of your book that you're, uh, I forget the exact wording. I just say uh, a high functioning, uh, uh, yeah, you're high functioning autism. Yeah. Right. That has, I mean, that plays into it, but. For sure, it, it also says a lot about your connection with your characters, uh, that you're better able to understand them and, and to have better conversations with them because you find them uh, perhaps even in, more interesting than a lot of people in the outside world or around you, and that you're somewhat choosy maybe of, of who you pick in your real life. Uh, maybe that's, this is all me ranting and, and not being able to shut up and just ask you the question of... Uh, or giving you the compliment, rather, of that's so lovely that that's the case. I'm uh, and I'm somewhat jealous because it's very, uh, as a writer, for sure, because mm -hmm. um, it's very good to have that connection with your character because it becomes easier to write for them. Yeah, true. One of the things I loved following this month uh, in your Facebook timeline feed was uh, the times you got really excited about characters. Um, and in the book, you mentioned it a couple times as well. Like, I can't wait to write more for this particular person, or I want to write more for this for this particular character. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to um, live and talk to, uh, for me at least, uh, with a character because I am part of the creation. I am part of the thought process. I know what they feel uh, before they say something. And with mm. people in interaction, because mainly because of my autism. I never know how they're going to react. I have no idea if something that I say might be offensive or uh, they might they might see it as a joke and laugh about it or take me seriously. Right. That part of the empathy that most people have of knowing what is right and what is well edgy or what is tricky or how to say certain things is uh, I'm missing that. 
and I make up for that with, uh, luckily, uh, my intelligence mm. going like, well, um, let's not talk about this with a feminist. Let's not talk about this with, uh, are you, is, is, as you were saying, it's this, a very I calculating was... thing. Uh, so it's not necessarily something where you need to convince anybody. Now. No, you need to feel this and you need to do this and you need to experience this like this. No, it's just something. And to be fair, uh, a lot of people are missing a, a lot of bits and pieces here and there. Sure. Except uh, I suppose that this is maybe more prominent or something that has been determined by people. Well, I got my diagnosis when I was 30 something which is pretty late yeah. these days kids are get get their uh, prognosis much earlier and then they can still learn easier learn to how to deal with things they can learn the tips and tricks and i had to do it by myself but it gave me a very outsider's perspective um of this world of how things are running and uh from that i use most of that what i see in uh, i put back in the books hmm uh, the sci-fi series I'm writing right now is mainly a perspective of uh, this world. What would happen if this line continues? What happens if the richer just get richer and uh, the workers just have to work more to get enough money just to eat and to live? Right. And Foothold of Tethys and the, the following books are uh, are a lot about that. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it's not something, uh, <laughs> as I was asking the question, I thought, oh boy, this is, it might be a very ill-conceived morning thought that doesn't come out quite right. <laughs> so, it's it's uh, very hard to offend an artist, quite honestly. True, which is why in the end I asked the question, because I was like, you know what, I've, <laughs> I've dealt with many, uh, whether they know it or not. Uh, and of course, and, and the varying degrees is, is a, a way different thing as well. And high-functioning, I find, to be usually quite delightful in that sense. Well, there is the, the, the mistake that high-functioning means, uh, well, you're autistic, you behave normally, so you must be high-functioning. Uh, that is the definition at this time, but I don't agree with that. Uh, for me... Is that, the, is that the medical definition or it's like the, basic, the social? basic me medical definition that okay. is kept by, uh, by now because... Uh, when you're talking about low functioning, then most of the time the autist also suffers from other problems mm. like mental problems mm -hmm. or handicaps or things like that. So um, I personally think there needs to be a, a very bet a better outline of what is high functioning, what is low functioning, and then it just falls back on IQ. Uh, being autistic just, act just basically means that you have problems with the emotional spectrum of life. Mm. And that certain things just aren't that easy yeah. for you. But, well, try to teach a Frenchman to talk English yeah. and you'll have, a, you'll have a handicap. Yeah. And that's basically how I look at it. And having yeah. a handicap doesn't mean that you can't do things. It just is harder to do things. And how much do you really want this to happen? Then just put in more hours, put in more work. Yeah. And if it doesn't bother you, then don't put in those hours, I suppose. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember now because it's early in the morning and I, I, my note is too short that I took. But there is uh, in, also in the NaNoWriMo book where you talk about watching two, I believe it's something that you wrote. You, you're watching two mechs, uh, two robots play chess, except none, <gasps> of, none of them make a move for hours and hours until one... Yeah. Folds over his king because he realizes he hasn't have uh, he doesn't have the upgrade, the latest software upgrade that the other one has. Exactly. <laughs> they went through all the moves in my mind, and at the end, yeah. I was thinking, who would win this? It's the one that has the latest updates, yeah. who has the latest logic, who has who knows more, and that's a referral back to uh, back to learning and back to knowledge and knowing how to implement things. It, knowing how to implement things uh, again that's a way more sophisticated way of, of in, you know of saying shut up sometimes uh, <laughs> or just concede if indeed sometimes I realize like I'm ill-equipped to talk about this and sometimes I have to but uh, sometimes I don't and if I don't I'm like I'm not going to say anything because I don't know enough about this and then I'll just simply say I, I don't know and that for a lot of people is uh, I, I have found 
unacceptable. Yeah. As soon as you Which give, I don't understand. As soon as you give in uh, saying, I don't know enough about this, it opens a door for the other person to tell you something you didn't know. And for a lot of people, it's very hard to, well, ask directions just to admit, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, basically, that's a, a different spectrum-wise. It doesn't fall under autism, but I can still see that as a handicap. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and it's, it's, I, I thought it was very weird once I started uh, audibly saying that. like Just instead of me bullshitting my way through a conversation um, and, and bluffing my way through it of just saying, you know what, I don't know, I don't know about this. I just I don't have the appropriate amount of information, I feel, to make any sort of serious judgment call on any of this, so I'm not going to. Done. There's other people more equipped than I am on this particular subject. Yeah, but if, if so the point comes that it. you have to talk about something like on a radio show, then I see you do your research and I really appreciate that. I see you <laughs> having <laughs> read material. I've seen you having been online and just go through stuff just to read a bit up on it, just to, to, to have an idea. And I really appreciate that because not a lot of people do that. They just have the idea, well, I think you are just this and this. And then they don't stop and think, wait, somebody else might have a different opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't, I could have also taken the, the Larry King route, who was a uh, route who uh, famously never prepared for interviews because he felt, or rather the excuse I, I feel that he uh, he made for that was that by not doing any research, he could ask the questions that the people at home had mm -hmm. because they didn't know anything. I'm like, yeah, but you're also not getting anywhere significant because those are all very base level questions then. Uh, but it's certainly a approach. And if you stick to your guns, there's a, you know what? It's it's a it's an it's an approach indeed um, that I can't really argue with I suppose uh, we're heading into the final minute and a half or so of uh, of today um, so before I forget thank you so much for coming in sure uh, I to. know it's early I felt that it's early this morning so uh, if there's people who've been listening to the entire show and I felt well it was a bit all over the place I apologize I, I realize that uh, that's what happens when my brain is still a little bit fuzzy but I still enjoyed it very much I must admit cool thank you. Um, anything else that you want to say or, 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 or plug or, uh, buy my book. Does that help? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what is the website? Uh, uh, all my books are available on Amazon. It's mm -hmm. easiest to, uh, to plug it. Like Martin that. von Howlingen. Yep. And, uh, the writing book is called Sipping from the Writing Well, A Simple Guide to Writing. And uh, the NaNoWriMo one is, uh, this is how a NaNoWriMo, I've got loads more. Hey, then that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> I also want to say to that, that uh, there's a, a podcast that you do for the Mesrop. If you like stories and you like them to be audible, uh, then that is something you can also find uh, on Martin van Houwelingen website. I'll put that on the Facebook page uh, in a bit. Uh, I would like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Uh, with that having been said... You're only given one spark of madness in this life, and you mustn't, mustn't ever lose it. Um, dress appropriately for the weather, kids, and uh, I'll see you all Thursday.